0: I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and open to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Take your Bible and open to Ephesians chapter 6. We are so close to the end here, uh, but in my opinion, we're, we're getting to some of the best parts of this letter. Wondering what you would think about what kind of enemies junior hires have. Enemy is a strong word, if you think about it. Do you have enemies? Uh, Someone or something that is just actively against you? Enemy? Uh, Someone who is hostile towards you? Uh, Someone who is aggressively unfriendly to you? You might identify that older brother or older sister as an enemy. Seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? They're they're just, they're Johnny on the spot when you're doing something you shouldn't be. They're all too happy to to let mom and dad know what what you're doing. Feels like sometimes that sibling can be an enemy. Uh, Others of you might say that that subject in school, or maybe a, that big test that you have coming up, sometimes that feels like an enemy. Math can feel that way for some. Uh, for me, it was history. Some of you might identify that. It just feels like it's aggressively unfriendly towards you. Learning all those dates and all those people, all that stuff, just, just brutal. Um, if you play sports of any kind, you might identify that one team or, or maybe that, that one other player, just kind of like your, your enemy, your arch rival, your, your nemesis. It's, it's always a big game when you play that team. It's always just kind of that battle, that, that full-out war. Athletes feel that. I'm stretching a little bit, but I think musicians might feel that too. Uh, you know, just trying to learn some new song, new piece, new skill with your instrument. Sometimes it just feels like this is just, I'm just never going to master this thing. It's just my enemy. So uh, against it. Sure, there are, you know, similar feelings for those of you who can't relate to any of those. But maybe you could with, you know, playing those, those gamers, playing those video games. You know, a new season of Fortnite just dropped. Maybe you're thinking about that. Um, I don't know, just some game where you're just getting housed over and over. You just can't win, losing all the time to certain people, certain players, certain games. It just kind of all feels like an enemy. Well, in all of those situations, the key to success is the same as it is in actual like war, real battles, real-life warfare know your enemy. Military leaders have been emphasizing this truth for thousands of years. That famous Chinese General Sun Tzu, I know you guys are familiar with him. Just kidding. Uh, But he was like just a legend of a military leader. Uh, He wrote a book called Art of War, and he's credited for saying this, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, You need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Really knowing your enemy means you shouldn't ever fear going against them. You'll be victorious if you really know your enemy. He said that like 2,500 years ago. Uh, When two armies are, are facing each other in actual combat, it's crucial to know your enemy who they are, how do they operate, what do they do, how do they attack. All of this is just crucial to knowing how to win, knowing how to be victorious against your enemy. And this, of course, is true for not only all those areas of our life where the enemy may just be a test or a subject in school or some sports rival, but for the Christian, it's also vitally important to know your enemy, because you have an enemy much, much worse than those things. There is someone who's against you, who is just actively and aggressively unfriendly towards you, hostile towards you. You're in a spiritual war, whether you want to be or not. You're in a battle right now this morning, and this is a spiritual battle, and and you have a powerful enemy. And in order to prevail, in order to stand strong and endure and be victorious, you're going to need some serious help. You're going to need some serious, serious help. And our text this morning will begin to help us understand sort of the the basics of spiritual warfare. In order to stand our ground, we must begin with knowing our enemy. And that leads us to our big idea this morning. We, We all have a powerful enemy and desperately need God's help to stand strong. We all have a powerful enemy. Whether you're a Christian or not, this is still true. In other words, knowing our enemy should drive us to a a deeper dependence on God. His power, we need it. His armor, we need it. Let's read this uh, next little section here in Ephesians and kind of see why this is true. God's word says this, Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Chapter six, verse 10. Sorry, I forgot to tell you where we were. Verse 10, now in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. These Verses kind of introduce us to the basics again, the basic principles of a spiritual battle that all of us are in. And, and you may be thinking, I don't know why you keep saying all of us. I'm not in a spiritual battle. Don't, don't put me in this battle that I'm not in. I just kind of want to remind you where we ended last week, our time kind of with just a quick look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, verses three and four, Paul there was talking about his ministry as he was preaching there to those people. And this is what he said, even if the gospel is veiled, meaning that people don't see it, people aren't responding to it. He says it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. He's blinding them to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The enemy, who is the God of this world, the devil, God's word says there in Second Corinthians, he's actively at work to keep people blind to the, their need for the gospel, to keep you blind to it. He wants you to be blind to your need for Christ. He, he wants you to stay that way. And this is where the battle really begins. And junior hires are absolutely in this battle. The, the devil wants you to think and genuinely believe there is no war. There is no enemy. There is no God, no devil. All this is just, you know, so, some old thing my grandma believes in. There's no reason for me to believe any of this, this Bible stuff. Heart, those are the responses of the one who is blind. That's the, the, the things that a blind person would say. You're blinded by the enemy and you're, you're badly losing this spiritual battle. But for the believer, for the Christian, there is some critically important truth here in Ephesians 6, some really helpful truth. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might all of this kind of kicks off with that word finally it 's a summary statement. This is paul's kind of last words it's an ending encouragement that really summarizes the whole book, the whole letter, especially the last three chapters of what Paul has been saying, and what does he say? Be strong in the Lord the, heart of the whole letter. This is what believers are to do. And I would just encourage you to underline that or highlight that or hit it with some, you know, color, whatever. Just this is a really important verse. Be strong in the Lord. Paul's been talking about walking about living like a Christian. And this is the conclusion. This is how to think about, you know, sort of all that he's been saying, walking worthy of the gospel that has saved you, walking with a renewed mind, walking in love, walking in light, walking wisely. All of it requires that you be strong in the Lord, that you depend on God for strength. Paul once these believers to be able to stand and to stand strong in this spiritual battle that they're in. And God absolutely wants the same for you, especially if you're a believer. So as we think about how Paul's tying all this together, it should also remind us where it all started. This letter has just been overwhelmingly full of the gospel. It's been just overwhelmingly full of it. Paul loves to talk about the gospel, all the benefits that come with it, about putting our, our faith and trust in, in Christ, being saved by him, by his grace. Before Paul could talk about how to live like a Christian, he was talking about how to become one. New life in Christ begins with that, with, with the gospel. God first wants you to come to, to saving faith. He wants you to see the truth of your need for Christ. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, that'd be a good verse to jot down. 1 Timothy 2, 3, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our savior. He says, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So young people, I want you to understand that. God doesn't want you to stay blind. God wants you to to see the truth. He wants you to see. And once you do, God's desire is that you live equipped for this new life ahead of you, that you you know how to live, that you know how to walk. And this is the sum of all of it. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. We can't depend on me. We can't depend on ourselves. That's just not gonna be helpful. That's not gonna get us anywhere. We can't be strong in our own courage, our own strength. Believers need the Lord. And I think this morning, this little section here is really gonna help us see why that's true. As we look at our, our enemy we learn who he is. Knowing our enemy helps us see why we need God the way we do. It it helps us to see why we need to be strong in the Lord and and to know why we need this armor so badly. Again, Christians have a a powerful enemy and they need God's help to stand strong. So know your enemy. That's, That's right. What can we learn about our enemy in these three verses here, four verses here? Uh, what, what can we see? Well, we know he's identified in verse 11 as the devil, and, and the devil is scheming against you. And here's sort of the first thing we can learn. Number one, our enemy has a plan. He has a plan. He's scheming, verse 11. He's planning. He's intent on bringing you down. Verse 11 mentions that word scheme. It's his method, his sort of way of taking you down. And he's been perfecting this for centuries thousands of years. Thousands of years he's had to study people, and he, he has so much experience in spiritual warfare. And when it, when it comes to his fight now with you, the devil has a serious advantage. What can we know about his schemes, his, his plan to take you down? Well, he seeks to destroy believers in the ordinary daily routines and and sort of daily relationships of our life. And you might say, well, where is that in this text? Well, it's precisely what's come right before. It's not just a coincidence that this follows Paul's instruction for the three most important relationships in our Christian life. That's not just a coincidence. Marriage and family and work, young people, that's where the battle takes place. That's where the devil's plan is is focused. That's where his attack is aimed. This is where he's scheming and he's been so successful for a long time. So good at taking down marriage and family and other relationships in our life. Marriage was the first relationship he attacked in Genesis. He put Adam and Eve against each other. Husband against wife, wife against husband. You can read about it in in chapter three. And then the children, they were next. The family came doing his own thing, ending up murdering his, his brothers, tearing this family apart. Why would Satan do that? Because these are the most important relationships that God has established. We've seen this repeated truth for the last three weeks. These are the most precious relationships we have in our life. And as we've been learning, they, they, these relationships help point others to God. When we do it God's way, it's like a big, just glorifying thing that God gets to all the credit for. The way we live. People go, wow, and it glorifies God. when we tell them why we're living the way that we are. So naturally, the enemy would strike here. He wants to tear these relationships down. And he is, again, nothing short of successful. Our world has just been rocked by his attack on marriage and on family and in the workplace. Right? Marriage is destroyed, families devastated, work relationships just ruined. This is your. Enemy. He knows how to tempt us where it's hard to say no. And for you young people, I would say that's mostly in the family. Getting you to to have that disagreement with mom and dad, wanting to refuse and rebel and disobey so that that family unit can be torn apart. So good at it. He knows how to bring chaos and ruin into your life he knows how to attack that family your your whole life this is his plan and he knows how to disguise himself 2 Corinthians 11:14 might be another good one to jot down it says no wonder even satan disguises himself as an angel of light it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness in other words he knows how to mix truth with lies He's really good at that. He knows how to get you to think something is true when it isn't. For the unbeliever, he knows how to keep you blind. He knows how to do it. He knows how to convince you that you see perfectly when in reality you see nothing. And for the believer, he knows how to weave his lie right into the heart of the truth. He he deceives the world with false teaching and false religion And for Christians, he's constantly scheming to instill doubt into our lives about God's word and God's character. He wants you to believe that God's not to be trusted. He wants you to doubt God's goodness and God's trustworthiness. Ultimately, he wants to destroy and disrupt any fellowship with God that we might have, any enjoyment that we might have with our relationship with Jesus. Satan is on a daily basis trying to mess that up. His attacks are silent and sneaky, and they're perfectly crafted to fit you. This is your enemy. Great sentence I read this week. Just listen. Every day you should think this. No Christian should let a day of their life pass without thinking this is the day in which the devil will engage in conflict to mess up my relationship with Christ. Every day we must think about his plan. He has a plan. What else can we learn about Ernie? Well, number two, he's not human. Verse 12 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That first part's important. He's not human. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The battle is not with another person. Listen, Junior higher, your greatest enemy is not your sibling. It's also not your parent's. We would also add in our context, it's not your spouse, it's not your boss. Your enemy is supernatural. There is a terrible and total level to his evil. He has no internal alarm to tell him to stop. He feels no compassion. He has no regret. He is without any sense of right or wrong. John 8, 44 says, you are of your father, the devil, Jesus talking to these unbelievers. He says, your will is to do your father's desires. So this is the devil. He's a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. He doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Zero, zip, zilch, none. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is who he is. There's no virtue, no good. As God is only light, as 1 John 1.5 says, the devil is only darkness. But unlike God, the devil is, is limited in his presence. He can only be at one place at one time. But he has an organized army, this vast army where he intends to mirror the nature of God in his in his ability and in his his power that's what verse 12 is saying here with these rulers authorities cosmic powers this list here I, i'm not sure what it is exactly but it seems to be some sort of some like hierarchy of soldiers this rank of different demonic soldiers so there is this great demonic enemy, it's clearly disciplined, and it's this organized chain of command. And this evil kingdom, Paul writes, they rule here. They rule in the heavenly places, verse 12 tells us. That's here. That's not the highest heaven where Christ is, but that's everything underneath it. He doesn't rule where Jesus rules and reigns. He rules here. His throne is here over creation, and he gets to run freely and and just wreak havoc. So again, the devil wants to be like God. He wants to be higher than God. He wants to make you think he's all-knowing, all-powerful, all all places, but he isn't. But he definitely uses his uh, demonic empire to give that impression that's what he's trying to do that's our enemy he's not human number 3 the enemy knows you he engages in a personal fight verse 12 says that we wrestle against him wrestling is it's it's hand to hand combat it's Personal. It's not a general attack where you're just some casualty. You're some innocent bystander caught in the crossfire. That's not what this is. It's a wrestling match where two opponents are squared off in that back and forth sort of wrestling fight. Uh, The best thing I can think of is, is just Jabba Jabba Can Can at summer camp. When we get down to those last two champions... It's personal. You know who your enemy is. You know who you're fighting. It's intense and it's serious. It's just the two of you. That's what this is here. Our fight is, it's personal. What does that mean? Well, he has a target and it's you. He, he has a list. It's not just Jesus or our church. It's you. Your name is on his list Know your enemy because he knows you. Number four, I would add that this is an enemy that we can't beat on our own. This is a battle we can't win without some serious help. Our enemy's not human. His plan is proven to take people down. It's personal and we need help against this superhuman enemy. Whatever we think we could possibly do to stand against him, is, it's just, it isn't going to work. This is temporarily the devil's world. This is why he could offer Jesus the, the kingdoms of this world in Matthew 4, 8, and 9. It was his kingdom to offer if Jesus would bow and worship him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, we know that we're from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's this world. He has temporary power and he is powerful, but he's not the most powerful. For John four four says, you're from God and you've overcome them for he who's in you is greater than he who is in the world. Believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. And John, talking about this similar topic, wanted to bring those believers comfort. Yep, your enemy is strong. Yep, he is in control of this world. Yes, he is powerful, but fear not. The one who is in you, the Holy Spirit who's in you, is much more powerful than the devil. It's a scary reality, but it's not hopeless. Here on earth, Satan has no equal, but in heaven, he he doesn't even begin to compete with the power of God. The devil, infinitely inferior when compared to our God. This is why we're called to be strong in the Lord and to depend on God's strength and might, like verse 10 tells us to. Reminded of an illustration, I think that really helps us to see this. You may remember Exodus chapter 7, where Moses and Aaron were to go to Pharaoh to free the Israelites. And anticipating that Pharaoh would need a sign, God had Moses and Aaron both prepared for what to do. Aaron, on Moses' sort of command, was to take his walking stick or his big staff and drop it, and it was going to turn into a snake. Aaron wasn't the one who was doing this. This was always God who was doing this, to show what kind of power that he had. And Aaron did precisely what God asked him to do. And do you remember what happened next? Pharaoh's sorcerers came out, and it said by their dark arts, they too dropped their sticks they're staffs, and they turned into snakes. They had some power that was equal with God's. Now, you may remember what happened next. Aaron's stick snake, it's hard to say, his snake, remember what it did? Gobbled those other snakes up, ate them up. And I think that's such a perfect Example of the kind of power that God has. Yep, the devil has some power, but it is no match for the power of God. Their secret arts were no match. God's power devoured the devil's. Even as a Christian, this one who has new life in Christ, you're no match for the devil on your own. I'm not sure why you would want to be when you have God's power and protection available to you. Praise God that we have his help. We must recognize our need for God to empower us to stand against our enemy. This is why Paul tells us, put on the armor of God. This is why he tells us to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is the same power, the same might that Paul was praying for way back in chapter one. And I I know that's so long ago and I know we probably don't remember that, but that's exactly what Paul was praying for them to grow in. Oh, I'm praying that you would grow in your knowledge of the power and might of God, the same power that can raise Christ from the dead, the same power that can give you spiritual life. We desperately need power, and we need power for this battle that we're in right now. And the same truth applies. This power is not within us. It has to come from an outside source. And Paul just nails it. It's a bullseye. Your source is God. Be strong in the Lord and put on his armor. Desperately need it. Junior hires, we, we have a powerful enemy and we're in a spiritual battle. He has a plan. He's, he's supernatural. He makes it personal. And he can't be defeated alone. And I don't know about you, but knowing my enemy makes me just want to run to God for help makes me want to run to him and depend on him for for help. We're in a spiritual battle. Some of you are losing big time. Some of you are blind and you're letting the God of this world keep you that way. And it's why we fight here every week to help you see the truth of the gospel, praying that, that God would help you see. And for the rest of us, for for those who have put our faith in Christ, we need to learn to stand as verse 13 calls us to, to, to stand strong in this evil day, to stand when evil and temptation is at its strongest. We must put on this complete armor of God. And it's these verses to follow this picture of a fully equipped soldier, not just the bare minimum for this fight, but fully ready totally and completely ready for the fight ahead. And I want to look at that armor, Lord willing, next week. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. Thank you for how it teaches us, how it equips us for all areas of our life. God, with, without it, we'd be so lost. As we've seen this morning too, just so outmatched for this spiritual battle we face without you, without your word to, to show us and teach us. Father, thank you for calling some of us to your gospel. Thank you for helping us know the truth. Thank you for telling us how to become Christians and, and how to live like one too. But I pray that you would continue to use your word to glorify you the most, that your word would save many of these young people today. Father, thank you for always being the greatest and the best. I ask for your help to stand strong today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.